doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. And I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's, there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages. And at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. widely unknown to the modern world until the late 20th century. Now there are reports that it's been stalking the areas around Manistee River since the days of the Native Americans. One of the first recorded accounts of the Michigan Dogman occurred in 1887 in Wexford County. And that account told of two lumberjacks that saw a creature that they described as having a man's body and a dog's head. 1937, Robert Fortney, in Paris, Michigan, was attacked by five wild dogs 
And in his report, he said that one of the five actually walked on two legs. Similar accounts in Allegan County in the 1950s and Manistee and Cross Village in 1967. The description of this creature and its behavior draws a lot of comparisons to Wisconsin's beast of Bray Road. Tonight's guest is a retired U.S. Army and Iraq War veteran. He is one of the most active dogman and Bigfoot researchers in the state of Ohio. Originally, a member of the UFO research team, ASK, he then turned to the field of cryptozoology in 1991 and has been studying the dogman and Bigfoot phenomenon ever since. He's authored several books and founded the North American Dogman Project. He's been featured in several DVDs, documentaries, Wisconsin Werewolf, The Germantown Werewolf, and The Beast of Land Between the Lakes. He has appeared on several television shows, including History Channel's Monster Quest, Sci-Fi Channel's Sightings and Encounters, and Destination America's Mysteries and Monsters in America. Today he can be found giving presentations at paranormal and cryptid conventions across the U.S. and Canada. So if you would please, give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to Mr. Jody Cook. Jody, welcome to Uncomfortable. Thank you. It's good to have you here. here. I have an inordinate amount of listeners who have been beating the doors down, wanting me to have a Dogman episode. Okay. So, here's where I'm at on Dogman. Scares the hell out of me if it's real. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I have so much easier of a time wrapping my mind around the existence of Bigfoot, UFOs, extraterrestrials, spirits, hauntings. But when it comes to Dogman, there is something about that topic. Not that I don't believe it. Not that I think it's BS. Mm -hmm. But it is so much more terrifying and I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because of, of my, my childhood. I mean, werewolves were a big thing for me uh, as I was growing up. I loved werewolf movies, you know, but it was terrifying. Um, I just, you know, when you, when you look at um, humans and apes, there used to be, they used to say it was a 98.8% difference in our, our uh, 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 similarity in our DNA but they've kind of backed that off now to about 96%. So there's 4% that's different. Um, but when you get to dog, it's like dogs don't look like us. Apes look like us. They act like us. They mimic things that we recognize that we do. So I think it's easy to put human characteristics to something that would be more in lines with a, uh, a primate. When you, look at, right. when you look at a dog... It doesn't, it doesn't mesh, but upon doing some research, come to find out that 84% of our DNA is shared with canines as well. Correct. So it's not that big of a difference. Correct. So what the hell are we dealing with here? 
Well, it's obviously it's an apex predator. We do we do know that much. <clears throat> now the the problem lies is this thing something that's always been here that kept itself very hidden, you know, similar to you know Bigfoot being you know always being here. Mm-hmm. You know, we grew up as kids when you come to like Bigfoot UFOs hauntings ghosts and things like that that was all that was part of everybody's childhood everybody knew about that stuff we knew about the patterson film in 67 i mean i remember going to see the movie planet of the apes it was conquest of the planet of the apes at the drive-in and the trailer movie coming into that was the patterson film and that was the first time i ever seen a real thing of of, you know bigfoot so everybody's really grew up with that knowing that that stuff's out there but when it comes to dog man something it's 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 a newer cryptid that is just now getting the recognition and society that it never got before there have been a couple old cases like the michigan dog man the defiance mm-hmm. ohio werewolf back in 72 yeah you had small cases like that but it was just nothing that really made big mainstream like you know the bigfoot topic so we go through history here in the United States. You have Native American history, different tribes talk about a man dog type creature. Right. And some talk about what they call the skinwalker, which I think is probably about the same thing. It's just the Native Americans, they interpret things different than we do on the way they see things because of how their society is set up. So I think that dog man is something that is always been here. It's, it's a, it's a cryptid. They probably weren't a whole lot of them, you know, in the United States at the time, they probably (coughs) got here, you know, through maybe hiding on ships and things like that. Um, coming over, you know, from Europe, that's a possibility. Maybe, you know, they were captured and, and, and brought over. No one knows how they got here. Europe is, it's a much bigger thing in Europe where they talk about it going back hundreds of years. And am I correct in, uh, Europe, the, the legends of the werewolves, um, mm-hmm. that, that pretty much started that stemmed from the European theater as well. Correct. That wasn't something that we manufactured here as a horror story. No, that, that, the, that was there going back hundreds of years. Even, you know, Western Europe, you know, going into like Transylvania and stuff, they had a much bigger uh, phenomenon dealing with werewolves, even, you know, vampires at that time right. uh, than, say, the UK. Uh, the UK is very well known for werewolves and the the thing of it is europeans call them werewolf we call them dogman i don't specifically are you know really like the name dogman i don't think it really fits the creature something like man dog i think it's a little bit better uh of a name for it uh one particular native american tribe uh that i talked to which was a shawnee and they described it as the dog that walks like a man Interesting. Yeah. Now I had a, uh, I had a, an occasion to, to sit down with a native American witch and uh, in my mm-hmm. fifth episode, 
Um, her episode gets a lot of <laughs> gets a lot of attention because I talk about it quite honestly. There was so much that happened in that in that night. It was it's just kind of mind boggling. But one of the things that um, she would talk about the dog man. She talked about skinwalkers. She also talked about bear walkers. And bear walkers to her clan was uh, uh, very similar, if not exactly the same as a skinwalker. It was just a different, um, a different allocation for it. It was just a different name for it. Um, and her her explanation for the the dog man was something that is completely spiritual in nature but holding a physical form correct Uh, now much like a lot of the things that the native americans talk about they they have one foot planted here and one foot in another another reality or another dimension or behind the veil however you want to however you want to say it i mean there's so many different ways to to describe their their passing through one area and coming into our existence and some of them sound absolutely absurd and some of them make just kind of scratch your head and you know whether they're coming through portals or or things like that we just don't know um but to me to me the dog man has always um carried along with it a a supernatural uh connotation to it and you know like you you talking about it as as if it were uh, a descendant or or on par with a werewolf to me in the natural idea of a werewolf is something that that does a transformation goes from being what we know as a man to you know changing into a wolf right is that is that something that is consistent with a lot of reports or are we just talking about a a wolf man man wolf man dog that is that is that 100% of the time a lot of the reports that we get are more of a supernatural than actually flesh and blood okay and i i truly believe there's an extremely large supernatural component part or component of dog man i really do um we get reports where people are able to communicate telepathy with them they see them coming in and out of different um portals where they disappear appear um so there's a big supernatural part <laughs> now as far as transformation goes okay i don't see any type of transformation between human and beast um that it's very hard for one organism to transfer to another organism um because of how the body structure is it would basically kill the person but there is documentation of people who in their mind believe that you're transforming into a werewolf itself and characteristics of their body especially their face does change there's documentation of that but they're not actually turning into like your lawn cheney style you know wolfman but the 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 thing with dog man what makes it so confusing is the best word for it is that 
you can't really pinpoint if it's flesh and blood, if it's supernatural, if there's some type of extraterrestrial part of it, meaning is there some type of extraterrestrial canine species? Right. Okay. If I, if I remember correctly, um, there was a gentleman uh, some years back wrote a wrote a book or wrote a paper about a specific number of recognized known extraterrestrials that mm-hmm. uh, we're supposedly acknowledging exist. And, right. and if if I if I remember correctly, and I don't remember the name of it, and I couldn't find it before we jumped on here, um, there is a canine species. Correct. And Correct. is it canid canid? I don't know. I'd be I'd be guessing at the rest of it, but I thought I thought the beginning part of it was canid. Um, now, whether that's the name they give to themselves or that's the name that we're placing on them because of their appearance, I don't know. Um, you what's know that, interesting? Go ahead. Excuse me, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But okay. what's interesting is you go and look at um, George Lucas when he did Star Wars back in nineteen seventy eight. Um, in the bar scene, there's actually two werewolves in that bar scene. Right. Okay. Now, Dave Baker was the one that made the costumes. And I, or the mask rather, and I emailed him asking him a question and say, were, were these masks specifically made just to have additional aliens inside the bar? Right. And he's, he said, no. Exactly. These, these masks were specifically ordered to be made like that by George Lucas. Okay, so I'm wondering why why is he wanting some you know these werewolves? Well, going back doing my research, I ended up talking with this one gentleman a few years back who was a former U.S. military, and his job, his current job at the time was UFO recovery. That was his job. And the team is made up of former uh, Special Forces, uh, Navy SEALs, air, uh, uh, combat controllers from the Air Force, things like that. And he was telling me this story that back in the early part of the 70s, that the United States got in contact with a canine species of alien, what was extremely dangerous and hostile alien form. Now, they only had a few of them that were alive from a crash, but they were so dangerous they would not keep them here in the United States. They kept them in a facility in South America. And he said these things were extremely intelligent, but they kind of had no common sense. (laughs) They weren't really problem solvers, (laughs) but they had... but they had a high intelligence to them, but they were able to get out of the facility that they were at um, and end up into a small village. And he said, we had to respond down there to, to take them out, to kill them. And he said, we had special weapons that we deal with certain type of aliens. And he said, because this, this species wore a, a halo type body armor is the way he described it. It didn't have boots because the feet were bare, the hands were bare and the head, but it had like a body armor. Hmm. So he said they, you know, end up killing them. But what was so weird about this 
Now, when Star Wars came out, they had the in, um, werewolves that were in there. But when the book came out about Star Wars, one of the um, uh, illustrated books, in that book, werewolf wearing body armor, no boots, no gloves, no hat, no helmet. Which I thought was, and I have an p- actual picture of it, which is a copyrighted picture from Star Wars, which fits the description of what this guy was telling me. And this was took part in the early 70s when they got contact with them, but the incident happened in the late 90s. So these things were in captivity for about 20 years or so in, you know, in this facility. And now George Lucas was a Mason, okay? So when he wrote Star Wars, he went to NASA and was asking people at NASA about certain things to make the movie good. Well, everybody knows all the position in top at NASA unless you were a Mason. And he was able to get in there and he spoke about how he was able to see things that people with high security clearance in NASA was not able to see. Mm-hmm. So a um, couple, couple interesting facts about that is there's a <clears throat> picture of a uh, crater on the moon with a ship in it that kind of looked like the Millennium Falcon. That was an actual NASA photograph. The I think it was the Apollo... 11 mission, maybe, or Apollo 10, one, one of them, they found a wreckage on the moon and there was a robot that they took pictures of and they brought part of the robot back. And Richard Hoagland wrote a book called Dark Mission. He actually has the pictures in that book that he got under Freedom of Information Act that looks like CP3O. I'm not kidding. You can <laughs> Google this picture right now. Dark Mission by Richard Hoagland robot head and you'll see the picture on here and really? it's, it's cp trail yeah so he was able to see a lot of stuff so the fact that he had these aliens in this movie goes to show that our government knew about these things because he specifically wanted these two mass of these two werewolves made that looks this not so much like a wolf man but more like a typical werewolf in that bar scene, mm-hmm. which I find extremely interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. I, I, the, um, I'm kind of captivated by the whole idea that these things are wearing, uh, body armor. Mm-hmm. That, that's, well, a, he, that's a unique, uh, that's a unique. It's, it's a unique well, I, I got another story, um, from, a U.S. soldier that was in Afghanistan in the uh, Kandahar Valley. And they were looking for a uh, lost unit. They ended up finding a lost unit. Uh, It's just some type of radio um, uh, malfunctions, what happened. But when they were up in the mountains, he heard someone scream. So he went off and he looked up on top of the hill and he saw three insurgents standing next to, well, one standing next to, two were on the ground next to these, what he described was werewolf wearing body armor. Mm -hmm. And they end up killing the one insurgent. 
And he said the one put his head up in the air and started sniffing around like they caught his scent while the other one kind of like patted him say hey we gotta go and they kind of went behind this rock and he said this blue light just came on and it was gone they were gone like they went into another dimension or or something and he he goes I swear to you I swear to you this, this happened I saw these things and he described them and now this was you know this story came through before I really even mentioned about the other story. And he would never have ever have heard that story about um, the incident that happened in South America. And what makes that story so interesting, Linda Goffrey heard the same story, but from a different serviceman. Really? So that gives validation to that yeah. story because she also, someone came to her about it. Well, the story about the, the ones in Kandahar, I believe uh, either either the the story has been uh, relayed onto or the same gentleman has contacted and relayed the story to a gentleman I had on the show not too long ago who produces uh, an Instagram page called Tales from the Grid Square. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but he basically um, publishes stories that are handed to him from military personnel, retired active uh, throughout the world that have had incredibly bizarre and weird experiences while serving in the military. And, and that story, uh, I believe, came up and it quite possibly could be in his, uh, his first book, Tales from the Grid Square. So, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, that's he might have mentioned it to somebody else, which, you know, I, I could see that happening. Because um, like I said, he contacted us through our website mm-hmm. Um, about it and we had a Canadian soldier um, talk to us and they said this was in Kandahar also but it was in the city where they were in a a defensive position and there was a bunch of children that were screaming he said from where they were off to their right was like a big wall and the kind of wall went down a different direction and these children were coming around the wall screaming and crying and then a bunch of pack of dogs were running behind the children well they thought these dogs were after the children so they started to light up the dogs so they wouldn't eat the children but the dogs end up passing the children so they couldn't fire on them without hitting the children and they said this large creature comes around the side of the building but prior to that he said he popped some smoke off the cover up, um, you know, the kind of confusion, whatever it was is coming around. And he said, he goes, I'm not kidding you. He said this Anubis looking creature comes through the smoke, probably about 12 feet, 12 to 15 feet high, high pointed hairs, black as coal, shiny eyes, big snout. He said, but it was wearing like a, a feral's robe around its waist. And he goes, that's the only way I could describe it. It looked like Anubis, but it was like, you know, 10 to 12 feet, 15 yeah. feet, you know, and he said, we lit it up, you know, didn't phase it one bit. He said, it just sat there and looked at me. He said, none of our rounds hit this thing. And oh, we were shooting. Oh, oh the they direct. were deflected. Yeah. They were like deflected off. Um, but he didn't make any hostile move towards them. He said he just kept looking at him, 
and then it just kind of went back and there the blue light came up you know this blue light just like flashed so i don't know if the blue light is something that's going from one uh, dimension to another which possibly that's what it could be because we've heard this this you know this this story before about blue lights here in the states and even in europe um before and after a sighting so it, it, it could be but there's another theory to these these cryptids too and i don't know if you're familiar you probably are with the hollow earth theory yeah absolutely you know that these cryptids you know mothman dogman bigfoot you know like monsters these could be things that are living within the earth in a total different, you know, society or environment. You know, there's yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very interesting, uh, a very interesting topic. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think a lot of things, I'm going to say this, but I, I don't want to make it sound like this is, you know, my, my hundred percent belief. A lot of things point towards something like what you're talking about with the owl earth. Because, uh, right. you know, in, in recent years, um, and even going back some, sometime, um, even Bigfoot is, is reported to um, spend a lot of time around the edges of rivers and the undercuts of, mm-hmm. of rivers, you know, which are, are carved out areas underneath uh, pockets with pockets of air underneath the, the water level that they can use to migrate trans transgress through areas uh without being seen without being heard um so you know when you take i think i was talking with scott tompkins uh from uh the big bigfoot mapping project and uh when you take a when you take a a map of the sightings of bigfoot and you overlay it with the map of known cave systems in the united states mm-hmm. it lines up very very well uh surprisingly well and then if you take known sightings mapped throughout the u.s of ufo sightings from the early 1900s till present they're almost exactly the same as those other two that i just mentioned so when you overlay all these all at the same time you've got areas of high strangeness and you know Perhaps those cave systems have, have a an access to, like what you're talking about, uh, the hollow earth or underworld of, of some um, unusual denizens of a, of a different society down there. Um, you know, it's interesting that you talk about the light because the light is also brought up a lot in uh, mm-hmm. Bigfoot sightings. Um, not really sure what to make of that. I know everybody considers that part of the woo. Um, a lot of people like to stay away from the woo. I love the woo. I think it's a it's an infinitely more uh, interesting thing to look at. It's just it's so hard to discuss because there's no we have no evidence. We have no proof that it it, it exists. You know, it's just something that seems to uh, come along with with all these uh, accounts and personal experiences that people talk about having. Um, so I wonder, uh, you know, I, I just had a conversation, uh, a few nights ago with an archbishop from a Catholic church in Chicago, and we were talking about the paranormal. She's very open to the paranormal, which is, um, very unusual for, uh, uh, Episcopalian Catholic 
priest or a bishop. Um, but she and I agreed on one thing that there seems to be a common thread that that seems to run between all of these different types of things, whether it be Bigfoot, UFO sightings, hauntings. You know, one of the big things with Bigfoot are tree knocks, right? So mm-hmm. when you hear when you hear people going out in the woods to do tree knocks to try to elicit a response for them, how many times do you hear them rap on a tree? It's always in threes. It's always whack, whack, whack. Well, when you talk to somebody who is investigating hauntings and, and spiritual um, kind of uh, infestations in a, in a home or a, a, an old building, you hear knocks on the wall. Knocks are very common in, in paranormal. So, you know, is, are, where people are making the assumption that Bigfoot is out there with a big stick hitting a, a tree... Are we talking about possibly the same thing where that, that knock is a part of their entry into our existence? Is that a, is that a, a remnant of, of how they transport or how they appear in our presence? I mean, it's, it's who knows, but, you know, it's very interesting that those things carry along. So I guess what I'm going to ask of you as far as your, uh, your research into Dogman you know, there's, there's specific things with, with Bigfoot, you know, tree knocks, whooping, long, long screams. Are there, are there a series of, of things that are associated with people who have had experiences with sightings or being in the presence of Dogman? A lot of things that people talk about is coyote activity prior to a sighting. And that they hear what they call popping sounds. Two pops, pop, 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 pop. Now, what that is, what we believe it is, is that dog man, he's a canine. Okay, we understand that. He probably does move while he's on all fours. It's quicker for him, more stealthier for him. Um, and it, 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 it probably a lot more comfortable than him just walking all day on, on two legs. So the popping sound would be him going from all fours to an upright position, uh, meaning uh, that he has to have, has to be double jointed or he has an additional set of joints for it go from all fours up to an upright position because if you look at a canine's body you know canines yeah they can stand up and beg but how their hip structure is set they can't walk they can walk don't get me wrong but in order to walk and run in that position they can't do it unless they they, the joint system is set up different Mm -hmm. so where they're able to be more mobile within the pelvic area so that's what we believe what these popping sounds are, is the back legs popping from one joint to another joint, the same thing with the arms popping from a joint like this to a joint like this. So where it's able to move its arms around a lot more comfortable. So those are about the two biggest characteristics that people hear when they're dealing with a dog man sighting. Is like you said, the, the coyotes, so we don't know if this thing is stirring up the coyotes or the coyotes are sending out a warning ahead of time 
or they're both working hand in hand for the coyote is warning the dog man, yes, there's somebody out there. So we, we don't quite know what that connection is yet. Yeah. Because we do know on some cases the coyotes react again after the sighting. So can can you be a little more specific as far as what the reaction is? Are they are they uh, just vocalizing or are they are they gathering in a pattern or well oh what you're talking about is the reaction of the dog man correct well the coyote's reaction to oh, oh the, the, it's it's a lot of howling howling a lot of yiping okay. coyotes make this real odd yipe yeah. and that's what the activity that you have you hear all of them the, it, it, what's so odd about it is that when when coyotes do this normal you'll have some high um yiping and then you have some howling at the same time okay okay in these cases it's all howling all yiping which is kind of unusual for a group of coyotes to do that because they are all they're like wolves okay they do go in a pack but they're all an individual okay yeah so they will sit there and do their own thing when it goes with vocal vocalizations, okay. But when it comes to dog man, like I said, the yiping comes first, and then here comes the howling part right after, and that's what makes it kind of unusual. So that's what we're trying to figure out: Are these things working with the dog man? Are they warning the dog man that there's something there, or are they warning you, hey, there's something coming your way? So we do know. And this pattern that they're running with all howling at the same time and all yiping at the same time, then that gives us a pattern that there's something in that area. Gotcha. Are there, you know, and I keep drawing correlations between this and, and Bigfoot evidence because, you know, mm -hmm. Bigfoot evidence is so much, so, so prevalent in everybody's face right now that, um, you know, it's, it's almost um, pop culture, but, so, you know, people going out and getting recordings of, of suspected Bigfoot howls and whoops and stuff like right. that. Are, are people are people doing the same with Dogman? Are there are there recordings of their their howls that have mm -hmm. been analyzed and determined that they are, even though they sound similar, they are different in frequency or duration than than actual wolf that is, uh, you know, na natural to that area. Yeah, we got one particular how barking sound on our uh, website. And what's so interesting is that the U.S. Forestry Service asked if they can have a copy of that for their record because they they went on our site to check our site out. Um, the Department of Agriculture did. And we kind of really didn't know they were on the site. And then um, uh, GoDaddy contacted us and say are you guys doing anything you shouldn't be doing? And we're like, what are you talking about? He goes, a lot of, you know, three letter Agencies, companies yeah. are monitoring your site. And, you know, it's unusual. They say, we, we never have this done before where you have, and he goes, we're just not talking here in the United States, we're talking around the world are on your site, watching your site, looking at your site. Interesting. 
And um, we said, no, I mean, we just figured that they're just checking it out. It could be an employee sitting on their, you know, work computer looking at it. It could be anything. But we know the U.S. Forestry Service Department of Agriculture was one of them. And they did contact us and say, listen, we like this particular sound. We copied it. We went through everything that we had, which was almost, you know, a million different, you know, sounds of animals around the world that we have in our files. And this didn't match up to anything. Could we have this for our records? And it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, we had no problem with that. Um, But uh, you get a lot of people that are out there getting these sounds. Now, what's so interesting about that one particular sound is um, out in Oklahoma, um, and somewhere, well, I can't basically say in Oklahoma, there's a military base there where that particular sound, almost 100% identical, was recorded on that facility. And they sent it to us and said, we, we want you to listen to this this is what we got and it's identical to what's on your, uh, your site. So, and they've had numerous amount of dog man's hidings around their facility. There's people have seen it. Um, so yeah, there is doing it. Perfect example, um, about how well this phenomenon is comes a dog man. Okay. It scares the hell out of people. Okay. People cannot, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. They just can't cope with it. Yeah, you can't no wrap your head around no. it. Yeah. Yeah, they can't wrap their head around it because this is the thing that goes bump in the night that bites. Okay. This is this thing is real. This is what nightmares are made of. Right. Um, about three years ago, right before COVID 19 hit, we had a contract with AE on doing a show on Dogman. We went and filmed like four episodes of the show. And when it was getting ready to air, I think like six months down the line, it went from the, the execs and they said, no, they said people cannot wrap their head around this. Yeah. Okay. It's this, too much. <laughs> this is some scary stuff. I mean, we, we had things on thermal imaging. We had vocalizations of this thing. We had some really, really impelling evidence of Dogman. And they said, no, this is not, this is not getting out to the people because they can't, society can't, society's not ready for this. And this is A&E. Yeah. And this is what they're saying. Society's not ready for something like this. Okay. This is not like your typical Bigfoot show or your ghost show. The stuff that's on here shows that something really exists out there that could harm you. Yeah. Well, and, and think of what that would do to the uh, the parks and and recreation and and camping and industry. That was, and that was the biggest. That was the biggest thing. You know, um, they said we have to look at that, and, and they came back because they, they paid us out of our contract because they broke the contract and they kept all the evidence. And that was what really angered me because they said, look, we put the money up for the show. You know, it, it's, it's our evidence. So we have no idea what happened to it at the time. Yeah. Well, what we found out was that one of the execs there had a family member that worked for 
the U.S. Forestry Service and showed them the stuff that was on there. And they said, "Did you? are you putting this stuff on the air? And he goes, no, we're not putting it on. He goes, good, this does not belong on the air. Destroy everything. And this is what the guy came back and told us. He said, you know, uh, we were told to destroy all this stuff. He goes, well, we're not going to destroy it because somewhere in the future, we're going to end up doing something about this. Once right. it starts picking up and see, that's the problem right now is nobody wants to touch it. They're all interested in it. The travel channel, uh, told us, um, Oh, just a few months ago that, you know, when they do shows on dog, man, it's always their highest rating shows, but they don't want to do a full series about it because they just don't know how people are going to react to it. Like how they react to the ghost stuff, how they act, react to the Bigfoot stuff. Uh, but they paid a lot of money to go out and do research on, will people watch this show if they do it? And I mean, it came back like a 98%. Uh, yes. People, wanted it and travel channels like well we're gonna we're gonna sit on it for right now you know even though they know they can get the viewership from it right. it it's just it, you know it, there's something about dogman as that, that is different from bigfoot and any other other cryptids because it, werewolves is it's it's a mystical creature more or less it's a paradigm you know, shift for a lot some, of people yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it, it's very terrifying. It, it's something that has claws, it has teeth, something that can do bodily harm to you. Because you see all these movies about dog, you know, werewolves and stuff and what they do. He gets a bad rap, I understand that. But, you know, people look at that because they know there's a possibility that those things do exist in, in reality. Okay. You know, they don't go by all these crazy Bigfoot shows where Bigfoot's ripping the campers apart because they know that's Hollywood, mm-hmm. you know. But most people will say that they would rather run into a Bigfoot in the field by themselves than run into a dog man. Well, either one would make me shit myself, um, but it would be a happier shit if I were standing in front of a Bigfoot rather than a, exactly. a dog man. Um, yeah. Throughout your reporting process, your um, your collection of, of reports and accounts from people, um, uh, are there many that uh, you know where people actually perish in the in the presence because of of these things? There's one particular case we've been working on for uh, for a few years that uh, takes place up in Germantown, uh, a little bit north from where I live, where this young lady was jogging and she came up missing. And no one knew what happened to her. Um, we kind of had an ideal because we knew the area that she jogged in. And we knew the activity that took place in that area. Uh, one of our investigators went out to that particular area uh, because he had a sighting there. And he found bloody jogging clothes, ripped up jogging clothes of a female. And so he reported it to the police. He goes, listen, you know, um, here's some female clothes here. They're soaked in blood. They're completely ripped apart. It might belong to this young girl that's missing. You know, this is where it's at. 
uh, do you want to stay here until you get here? And he said the police shoved him off like they didn't give a crap. Okay, so he's like, okay, fine. You know, yeah. So he went home that night and he's sitting there thinking about it. He goes, you know what? In the morning, I'm going to go back and I'm going to get those clothes. I'm going to collect that because if the police don't want anything to do with it, I'll find a police officer that will. Okay. Goes back the next morning. The whole area has been re-landscaped. Scrubbed. Within 24 hours, the clothes is missing, and they redid the road, and they redid the grass area where the clothing was found, which I thought was kind of really odd. Yeah, that is. So, yeah, so we were able to get in contact with someone who was a friend of the families that knew the girl, he identified the clothes that, yeah, those are hers. I know that. I've seen her wear those. I've seen her jog in those. So um, we we know that this girl probably, it, it's, it's a 99% chance that it was a dog man that got her because of the area, because of the amounts of tracks that we found in the area, the amounts of sightings that take place. And that particular area now today the police department went in there and built a facility right in the middle of the woods. And it, there's cameras all along the road letting you know that you're being monitored. So they're monitoring something that's on that road. Wow. And, and uh, those fields. And yeah. That, that's I mean, obvious. we've got a really good. Obviously, that's uh, a, considered a hot spot as, as far as reports from you it, guys. It is considered a hot spot. Yeah, real consider a hot spot because I think they knew that this girl was taken by a dog man. And that's why they went there, collected the evidence and destroyed whatever evidence was there, destroyed whatever, you know, environment that was there to cover it up. Because we got it right next to the facility where the police built this 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 area. We did a Google image. And we've got something large walking in that field, something extremely large walking in that field on Google image right next to where the the police are. And this thing has to be extremely large because it showed up large in the Google image. So we think we got it on film by Google in that area. Now you go back and you look at that, same area on Google image, it, it's completely black, you know, or out of that. The same image is there, but the creature that's walking in the field is gone. Erased. Yeah, they erased it from it. You, you yeah. brought up you you brought up finding tracks. Um, is is track casting and stuff uh, with these creatures uh, very similar to this particular area? Some very very large large tracks. I'm talking larger than you know, the palm of my hand, uh, in that area. And that's where that's the, uh, that's the pad. That's the pad in the toes. Yeah. 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 yeah very, um, very, very large. And, and here's the thing a lot. When people look at it, they go, oh, no, it's, 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 it's a, it's a bear's print. There's four toes. Well, bear has five, but you have to understand something. If you something, three, four pounds, okay? And if it's walking on two legs, the, the, the pad has to be 
wider in order to support the weight. Right. Okay. So you're going to have a much wider pad with the paw with the toes in front. Dogs have narrow paws. Okay. Yes, it's easier for them to run, but it's not easy for them to walk with a narrow paw. Okay. So this particular track that we got, we have several casts of it made. Now, on the website, we have a picture of it next to a 250-pound black bear cast that was taken here in Ohio. This thing dwarfs the black bear cast. Really? The DNR, Ohio DNR, asked if they could see that cast. Okay, so we showed them the cast. They came out, we, they showed it, and he goes, if this was a bear, you're talking about a 1,200-pound bear. He goes, I don't think this is a bear cast. You know, it looks like a bear a little bit, but we talked about it. He says, yeah, I understand what you're saying about the pad. That makes sense. Okay. But he says, if that was a bear print, that bear would be every bit close to 1,000, 1,200 pounds. It would be that big. And he goes, bears are nuisance animals. We would know something that big. Right. It'd be making its presence known be making this presence well two farmers lost two cows okay and we actually we found the cows where the cows were taken to and were eaten on and whatever this thing was was able to carry that cow jump down a five foot embankment into this small river go across the river waist high and climb back up a five-foot embankment, straight down embankment, and eat and kill that cow. There's no way that cow could have got, those cows could have got across that and got up that embankment. They were just too high. There's just no way it could have been done. And whatever did it took the cows over there because we found an area that was basically like a kill site. And, what, what, percentage, uh, what percentage of the uh, cow was consumed if you were to take it? Oh, guess? I'd say about 90%. Oh, really? 90%. Yeah, because where the cow, uh, the cows were, they were deers, and they were two large dogs, 80-pound dogs. So whatever was doing it was taking them back to this location. And now, like the deers, for example – the hide ripped from the back for the tail going all the way over the head where it just, it just pulled the, the hide over and ate on, you know, ate what was there. And you saw bite marks that were on the rib cage of the deer. I mean, it ate the lungs. I mean, it, this thing, it ate everything. But it left the hide over the head, which was kind of odd because I never seen that because I've seen a poach kill before. And poachers, when they poach, they'll shoot the deer, they'll get what they want out of it, and then they go. Okay, it's in and out real quick so they don't get caught. They're not going to take the time to do what they did with this deer um, because all the deers were all killed the same. So, and the deers were actually eaten on. The dogs were the same thing. The cows, you know, were both on its side, and they were practically bone. Owned, you know, left of these things. 
Wow. So yeah, it's it's it, yeah, this is a crazy area. You know, it's it, it's known as the Germantown Werewolf. And prior to that, back in the seventies, it was known as the Butter Street Monster. Interesting. So, so it's, yeah, it's we been around have for a while. A lot of cases. Yeah, you have a lot of cases like that. Um, Land between the lakes is another one. I was going to ask you about that. Um, I, if you if you wouldn't mind getting into, uh, I, I wanted to ask you something real quick before you do. Um, so, uh, uh, according to your uh, your reports and everything that you guys collect. Uh, what are we looking at as far as an average height of these things uh, when they're when they're fully bipedal, and and again you are in the weight of around a thousand pounds, eight hundred to a thousand pounds for a grown adult. Well, no, this when I say to a thousand pounds, they were describing if this track if it was a bear, that bear would have been. A thousand, close to a thousand pounds. Oh, I got you. Okay. In size to make a track like that, um, the the two sightings, the two really good sightings that took place up in Germantown. Uh, I mean, I'm talking like up close, almost in your face sightings. Average this thing to be close to about 500 pounds. Extremely muscular, about seven, seven and a half feet tall. Now, normal characteristics of a dog man is right around 300 pounds, and it's right around seven feet. There have been reports we've gotten where this thing is close to 10 feet, where people say this thing's like six, 700 pounds. And these are up-close sightings of, of these things. And I think a lot of those where they're much bigger in size, we, we looked at the sightings and seen most of these sightings took place in October, November, December, January. So it would have had a fuller coat, a winter coat would have made it bigger. So uh, you're still probably looking anywhere, give or take from three to 500 pounds, seven, seven and a half feet. Um, They've been some much bigger. What about, uh, what about family units? What about, uh, are these things solitary? Are they, are they working in packs? Um, have you know, like with with Bigfoot, there's been countless number of of reports of people seeing you know a female with a a, a small child or a juvenile, um, large males and a and a female and 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 babies. You know, throughout history, they've they've been reported. Um, are there any are there any reports that you guys are gathering on on these dogmen? where where they're moving around in uh, tribes or groups or you know a pack. Um, and, and what about the, the younger ones? The majority of the sightings that we get are single sightings. Okay. Of just one, we've gotten sightings, but there's two and three. Now the ones where we got sightings of two or three, which are kind of unique because in these particular sightings, these things kind of operated like a raptor. Okay. Where they, the one allowed you to see him why uh, the other ones were trying to flank you yeah. from the side or from the back. We, we've got quite a few cases on that. Um, we've talked to people that have shot these things point blank, you know, with, you know, 357 Magnum, you know, pistols or a 44 and it did nothing. And I believe that these things 
that their chest, their sternum is much wider going across their chest and much thicker where it could absorb a gunshot. I think it's, it's, it's a protective plate basically to save the, you know, the organs. That's something now, that I've, that's something that I've always kind of wondered about myself when you hear so many people talk sure. about, um, having shot a Bigfoot and really not doing a whole lot of damage to it. I wondered if their, their sternum, if their rib cage and everything, if their breastplate was, uh, significantly different than what you see when you let it look at our skeletal structure where it's just a inch and a half or two inches across the the main part where our heart is um oh i, I definitely believe that i definitely believe that there 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 is some type of bone system there that is very thick that protects the organs i i truly believe that um so there's a real good possibility that's that's what it is. That's why they're able to absorb the uh, the firearm. Now, there's one case in Akron, Ohio, which was really kind of unique case. And this guy was like 68 years old, a hunter all of his life, um, a really good old boy type guy. You know, very um, very mild talking, um, very well educated been around the block a couple times he's up in akron area in the woods and he hears turkeys so what he does he goes through the woods he said there was an opening a small opening so he starts across through the opening and he stopped because the turkeys stopped so he thought well maybe they heard him so he's gonna stand there and he said all of a sudden five dogs running on their hind legs, came out and circled me. He didn't say werewolves. He didn't say dog man. He said five dogs standing on their legs, running on their legs, circled me. He said <coughs> one was definitely a female. The other were males. He says, I was able to see their genitalia. He said they were, their genitalia is very human looking. He said the arms and the hands were very human and characteristic he said the female was the aggressor meaning that she was probably the alpha yeah okay and he goes i raised my weapon at her because they were getting close and she made a sound and they backed off and then he said they're they're snarling at him they're growling at him. He said, you know, I was terrified. It's like being in the middle of a pack of dogs. And he goes, I don't know how these dogs were able to stand up on their legs and run on their legs and why their hands looked human. Yeah. And I said, well, can you give me a little bit better description? He goes, well, the female looked like a wolf in the face. Her body, her hair, everything was like a wolf. The male's kind of looked like a German shepherd and a wolf mixed. He said their coating was kind of like a German shepherd, but kind of like all brown. But he said, you know, in the face was kind of like that German shepherd look, which was the brown and the black. But he said they were much bigger. He said they were about seven feet. She was probably about six, give or take, a little bit smaller. 
because I she had the boobs. She was able to see, and he, you know, he said I could see the genitalia on the other ones clear as day. So when when he was but, when he was referring to the boobs, is he referring to uh, boobs like we, we would expect to see in a in a human woman or no, uh, like no a, a, on, a, on a canine? Okay, on a canine, yeah. It is what he said. He says the nipples. He was able to see, yeah. you know, the nipples going down and stuff. So, um, but he said the other ones kind of, they, they were listening more more to her because he the only way he got out of there was by pointing a weapon at her. And they would move off and he was able to kind of get out. So he goes, what I'm thinking is that they were stalking the turkeys for food at the same time I was. And... They weren't going to let their food source go to me. So that means there's some type of intelligence that they know, you know, humans hunt and they knew what a gun was, obviously, because if he was able to point that weapon at her and they move, they know that gun can cause death. A boomstick. Yeah. Yeah. A boomstick. Exactly. But, but like I said, the whole time, never, never said that they were werewolves or dogman. He didn't even know what the hell a dogman was. He just referred these things as dogs. He goes, man, I just, I can't get through my head how these things are running out at me in all directions on two legs. How these dogs were able to do it and how these dogs' arms and hands were so human-like. He goes, I've never seen anything like this in my life. So that, that case is really interesting case. The way he's describing these, the way they're acting shows intelligence because obviously they watch us in order to, for them to know that a gun is deadly and that, you know, human and dog men are basically fighting for the same food source, you know, throughout the years, you know, um, uh, seasons rather with turkey and deer. Yeah. Um, but here's another case. This guy, this guy, contact me on about dog pen, and you're gonna love this. Your 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 viewers gonna love this. And he goes, listen, I'm, I'm gonna tell you because I am not a bullshit artist. Okay, I'm telling you as God can strike me down dead. He goes, I drink, I drink. I'm I'm telling you because this day, I didn't drink. He goes, he goes, I don't hunt when I'm drunk. Okay, smart guy. I have enough common sense to know that. So he goes, I'm out hunting. I see a buck. I get my shotgun up. You know, I'm I'm ready to, you know, hit this buck. And he says, something's moving behind him. So he goes, I'm being real sturdy because it's this shadow just comes around. He goes, I look to my right. He goes, there's a freaking werewolf standing right next to me puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes oh, I, shit. he goes he goes i'm not kidding you puts his hand out points at the deer like this and he goes i don't know if he wanted me to shoot this thing or not he goes i shot the deer he goes over and grabs a deer and goes off he goes it's God is my witness can strike me down dead if I'm if I'm lying, and he he goes I you know he and he kept saying dude I'm not lying to you I am not lying to you I drink I do drink but I did drink this day but he goes I am telling you because 
He goes, I've seen things there before that look like this creature, but I never, ever saw it as, as a threat. You know, I see it from a distance thinking, well, maybe it's just some type of, um, you know, wolf or, or something standing on its hind legs looking at me. Yeah. But uh, he said, until that day, he said, this thing came over, put his hands on my shoulder, and he goes, it was like pointing over at that deer, like he wanted me to <laughs> Like, help a brother out. <laughs> yeah, you know, help a brother out type thing. And, and it's like, man, so I'm still on that story, like, man, is this guy BSing me or not? You know, but I mean, he's, but it was, it, it was a good story. But, you know, the thing you have to look at, you know, life is stranger than fiction sometimes. Many and times, yes. Shit happens. You know, weird, weird stuff. Weird stuff happens. So there's a possibility it, it, it could have happened. Um, you know, because you know it's, it goes to that back to to that where they know that a gun, what a gun can do. And to me, by this thing doing this, took a chance of not getting shot itself. And, you know, maybe he felt if I, you know, he's not going to harm me, you know. And the way I look at that is, you know, you take Bigfoot, Dogman, and some of these other cryptids. They got to be like humans. You have some that are are bad, and you have some that just aren't right, you know. And you you deal with these things. It's like these missing children that's out in the woods for two, three days. You know, saying, oh, a big bear yeah. protected me. Well, it, they know it was a Bigfoot. You know, so that shows that this thing knew what a child was and knew a child was innocent. And, you know, a human child could not survive. So he's taking care of that child until he's able to get it to where, you know, he's back into safety. Which you the, have which some like that. And I'm sure you have some that says, you know what? This is a food source. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and that that leads me to believe that not only Dogman, Bigfoot and you know, uh, possibly the other cryptids that we talk about, you know, like Mothman um and mm-hmm. and things like that, that there must be some uh some form of morality in their in their societal structure. Right. You know, just like you're saying, you know, you got you got good people, you got bad people, you got people that would never dream of of doing harm to a, an elderly person, and then you have people that break into elderly people's houses and do all kinds of terrible things right. to them and kill them. You know, so it, it would make sense that you know. Funny you mention that because um, I did this prior to doing big or um, dogman research. I did bigfoot research for years, and I talked with this elderly couple. And what happened was that this elderly couple lived by, you know, where a cornfield was um, in a trailer, but the cornfield belonged to someone else that they were renting the land to for the corn. So that was part of their income. So the husband was really sick. He was on oxygen, the wife. They were in their 70s at the time. And she looks out and she sees what she says were gorillas eating the corn. So she called the Cincinnati Zoo and she said, listen, 
there's gorillas out here eating the corn in the cornfield. Did you lose any? So they laughed her off. So she called the Adams County Sheriff's Department. So how I got involved with that is, and now this is in the 80s, going into uh, the late 80s, going into the 90s. Well, we didn't have internet or no other way of contacting things. So I ended up writing a letter, made 88 copies of it, sent it to all 88 county sheriff's departments, saying, listen, with a card, saying, listen, I do Bigfoot research. You get reports. Don't laugh it off if you don't want to handle it. Call me. I will take care of it. Well, that's what happened with the Adams County Sheriff's Department. They contacted me and said, listen, we got a lady says there's gorillas out in this field. You know, um, we went out and talked to them. We didn't see nothing. Uh, they called back, said they're out there again. You know, do you want to, you know, look at this so they'll leave us alone? I, I, I said, yeah. So I, I drove out there two hours and I talked to the woman and I said, well, tell me what they're doing. And she goes, well, they're bringing food and putting it on the porch. They're bringing corn. They're bringing rodents, um, you know, uh, or, or not herbs, but like um, um, uh, mushrooms, stuff like that. And they're putting it on the porch. And I'm afraid that they're trying to get in. They're going to hurt us. And I said, listen, let me let me tell you what what's going on here. They know you're elderly. They're bringing you food because they know you can't go out and get the food on your own. They're protecting you. They're bringing you food to survive. If they wanted to hurt you, they would have went in there and they would have got in there and they would have hurt you. So I said, what I would do is leave them a gift back. Leave them an apple, leave them something, you know? And I said, that's what they're doing. They're, they're helping you. Because they know, obviously, they know your elderly people, and they've watched you, they've monitored you, and they they're taking care of you. Yeah. So you have, so you do, you have cases like that where you know these are good creatures that are, are you know, they don't want to make contact, but they know how they you take care of your elders. Yeah. Dogman, that's kind of a whole different situation. You know, because we don't know of any cases where Dogman is bringing something to someone as a gift. Now, we did an investigation out in Utah, which was real close to the Skinwalker Ranch. And you can see each each house, they were kind of spread out a little bit. So they everybody in that community knew there was a Bigfoot in the woods because they heard it. They saw it. This thing never harmed the livestock. This thing never harmed their pets, never harmed them or anything. They would see it across the field. They would see that distance, but it never bothered them. So they were comfortable with it. Okay. Then small pets were coming up missing. Livestock was being attacked. So they're like, this can't be the Bigfoot because the tracks are very canine looking. So they start seeing what they believe is a dog man. Um, This one girl, she's 13 years old. Um, The stable, the outside stable is next to 
her bedroom window. The horses were going crazy. She looks out the window. The security light pops on, and she goes, there is this dog crawling like an army man along the ground next to the stable. And she's watching the thing. She drew a really good picture of it. So this thing was attacking their horses. So the mother decided one day she's going to go and walk around the woods in the back and see what this thing is. Okay. It's attacking her horses and stuff. She wants to know what it is. She's finding scratch marks on trees where this thing's marking the tree. She found a small dead doe. Okay. Now the organs, the reproduction organs were ripped out of the doe and the neck was broke. So she goes, you know, I, she's a, what do you call that? Um, animal activist. Okay. A really big animal activist. So she goes back up to the house, get a shovel. She's going to bury this doe. Okay. Comes back. The doe's gone. Okay. So she goes back home, puts the shovel away, comes out of the garage. The body of the doe's laying there in the yard. Same thing happened with her husband. This thing was playing with them with this body of this doe. It wasn't a gift. They were, this thing was letting them know, I think as a warning sign, this is what's going to happen if you continue to come into my woods. And I really believe that's what it was. Um, it's like the horses were, when the horses were attacked, the horses were all attacked from the front. And we've got pictures of the horse where five claw marks are going down the front of the horse, horse's chest. Well, anybody knows about horses, a horse can kill you, yeah. you know, Predators always attack the horse from the back to get him down on the ground so they're able to get on to his neck. Right. This thing's always attacked the horses from the front. It was doing it to everybody's ranch where it was always going after the horse head on. Same thing here in Ohio. We had a case where it went at this horse head on, got the chest, and got the side of the neck. So this thing is bold. If it's bold enough to fight off a you know a horse, knowing that that horse could kill you, yeah. I mean, you know, this thing has no remorse for anything. It's just you an know. apex apex predator. Yeah, exactly. So one night they said about eight o'clock, they're hearing the screaming. They know one of them's a bigfoot. They don't know what the other one is. He she says everybody in the neighborhood came out and listening to these two things fight in the woods good good perfect and sound effects goes, oh yeah my dog yeah anybody walks down his street you know he goes nuts. he's a 150 pound german shepherd he's a he's a big boy um but ever since that night they never ever saw that bigfoot again really? never saw it again this dog man killed that bigfoot they believe Huh. Yeah. Did, was was there any? This was all just audible, or did anybody witness the actual? No, this was all sound. No okay. one witnessed the fight. They it was coming from the woods. It was at night. No one was going to go out there. Yeah. You know, but they said the Bigfoot. They knew it was the Bigfoot because they heard the sound before. But the other one, like I said, 
they believed it had to have been that creature, the dogman, that that they everybody see. Now this dogman is pretty bold. Where this thing is going up on people's front porch and looking in their windows is uh, she just sent me a picture uh, a few days ago where it came on her front porch. You saw the muddy footprints going on her porch and, and where this thing had his handprint on the window where it was looking in the window. Wow. I mean, it, yeah, the, the, this thing is bold. And then, like you said, this is a little bit ways from the uh, Skinwalker Ranch. And the, the thing about the Skinwalker Ranch, there's more sightings of Dogman happening outside that ranch than there is actually happening inside of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some friends, well, some friends of mine just, uh, just got back from doing a, a documentary, uh, investigation on the property to just on the, on the outside of, of Skinwalker Ranch. Um, mm-hmm. one of the other, um, I'm not going to frog ranch. It. Nope. Nope. Uh, space. Uh, the name escapes me now. Um, r- regardless. Um, right. And, and you know, there's just high strangeness all throughout that, that basin, that whole area. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and some of this stuff, you know, it kind of takes me back, and we don't really hear much talk about it um you know typically when you hear somebody talking about dogman or bigfoot you know everybody jumps to the oh these are hybrids and you know they were either uh part of uh, the fallen angels breeding with the uh, human women and producing the nephilim and then the you know all all of the distortion of the dna from you know pre uh, pre-flood times in the biblical narrative and then you hear you know the the extraterrestrial uh, side of you know these are or then you hear uh, government experiments, you know, gone awry and stuff like that. But you never really hear anybody talk about the over over 1,050 nuclear tests that took place in in that portion of the that country, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from 1942 uh, through 1992 or 96, I think was the, the last nuclear test. You know, not only are we detonating them under the ground, uh, above the ground, in our atmosphere, mm-hmm. underwater, and out in space. You know, yeah. You know, so it's like Jupiter. when you start talking about uh, radiation, it it's it's known science that it causes mutations, mm-hmm. and you know, um, ionizing radiation can uh, uh, spontaneously affect a mutation which would happen immediately but then prolonged exposure to low dose radiation ionized radiation can create tiny small little mutations that don't make themselves very pronounced for uh say generation or so and then they start coming out and become more prevalent you know and i know we have stories from the native americans that, that predate nuclear um nuclear uh science here in the states and you know but the the dog man thing you know we get the we get the stories about werewolves and stuff from from the older days but you know this this new this new dog man the the it seems to have started mid-century uh you know sometimes i wonder you know is is this 
is this a result of some kind of nuclear uh, activity you know is this a, is this a genetic uh, not necessarily related to our nuclear development but just radiation in in general uh, it, it could open up portals in that area too yeah i mean you look at the one with the dire wolves there they've been seen uh at skinwalker ranch and some of these other cryptids that has been seen there you know this thing could have opened up portals you know, nuclear nuclear explosions and stuff. Uh, I mean, it's it's it, these things very well could be some type of mutation, like some of the stuff that's out there. You know, especially if these things live underground. Yeah. You know, and you know, uh, are some of these nuclear tests that took place underground actually nuclear tests, or are they destroying a society? You know, good point. <laughs> yeah, because here, you know, humans cannot coexist with another species right. of human we or another to, species to, or something like that. I mean, we have look, to dominate I mean, we hunt, and destroy. You know, we 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 are the dominant species that eats other species. Okay, um, and we're sure God's not going to be able to coexist with another species of human because we can't even coexist with ourselves. Right. You know, so yeah. if you know, if there's another world or civilization inside earth i mean you know i I could see them destroying it because you know our our government has got this mindset that we can't cope okay and i'm gonna be honest with you i really used to believe that the people could cope with if excuse me if the president of the united states came on tv and said Listen, extraterrestrials exist. Okay, they've been visiting us for years. We have a couple of downed crafts. We have some bodies. So far, they haven't been, you know, any hostile to us. Uh, if they do, we will do what's necessary to protect humanity. Okay, so you know, you're going to go to bed, kind of a little bit worried. You're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to have breakfast with your kids. You know, you're going to get ready for work. You're going to take your kids to school. You're going to go to work. You got something to talk about that's interesting. Get everybody's opinions and thoughts on it. You're going to pick your kids up from school. You're going to take them to soccer practice. Life's going to go on. Yeah. Okay. Until something else happens to make you think about something else. Okay. And I always thought we were like that. And then COVID came along and then you saw how freaked out people were just about COVID and how compliance they were about taking a vaccine that didn't work basically, you know, uh, because people, you know, that's another show, but I mean, but you, you understand what I'm saying? It's just, you know, people couldn't cope with that. We're yelling at people because they're not wearing a mask. Yeah. You know, in school where we're going nuts because we want our kids in school to wear masks and, you know, wear, you know, biological suits and all this other crazy stuff. So I can understand why the government would never go and say, listen, extraterrestrials exist, Bigfoot exists, Dogman exists, whatever. Because honestly, COVID proved that we cannot handle the truth. Well, and I, th- I think I'm going to piggyback on that by saying 
that I think uh, the government's admission to and and soft disclosure so far um, of of the UAP phenomenon and mm-hmm. and the fact that they've been continuously investigating it for for many many years. Um, you know, after after seventy years uh, uh, since the Roswell incident, um, to pick to pick right smack dab in the middle of uh, uh, the COVID pandemic to to officially acknowledge the existence of UAPs, uh, right. where it hardly got any kind of uh, um, real attention, you know, because of everything else that was going on, um, it was just kind of slid in there underneath the radar on everybody and now it's kind of like oh yeah so ufos are a real thing um which i always i always was uh i was always in belief that they were um you know and i i i I don't think i don't think people i think there's a segment of humanity that would be able to handle it but i think the ones that are so structured in their religious beliefs and in their um, their governmental beliefs and their militaristic beliefs, I think those I think those groups are so structured that some kind of um, something from out there that would really really change the dynamic on how how those people think. You know, obviously now not only do does the military have to worry about um, our enemies abroad. Now we have to worry about enemies from afar, uh, right. you know, that are, could quite possibly be uh, a millennia ahead of us as far as the uh, um, their technology. Um, so, it, yeah, it's well, you know, you, the, the government knows about. It. I mean, the government knows how people think about this. I mean, the twenty twenty election was a perfect example. You know, Hillary Clinton. You know, I'm going to release UFO. Secrets, right? Okay, John Podesta. I'm going to make sure that it does. Well, no, they weren't. Okay, the reason why they did that because they played on the people because it was proven fact in their research <clears throat> that Hillary Clinton and John Podesta did that the large majority of people who believed in UFOs, ghosts cryptozoology okay were white republican men they knew that okay and they used that to their advantage to get votes taken away from donald trump to her for the election by using ufos something that was an interest to them interesting so yeah they're they're just now finding all this stuff out you know, I mean, that's smart. I mean, that's smart of her to do that, you know, because she had no intention, you know, and everybody kind of caught on to that, that they knew Hillary Clinton had no intention whatsoever to release anything on UFOs. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's nothing. And, and, and thank God the people caught on to that and they didn't vote. But yeah, they used that type of stuff for their advantage because they knew. Like I said, they knew that these people, they could get them to go on their side all by saying, you know, release it. And then finally, here we have someone that's going to release all of this documentation on UFOs, you know, and she knew but she wasn't going to do it. She just wanted for the votes, but she used 
that to get what she wanted. Sneaky. Because she preyed <laughs> on the people. You know, so that's smart. That's smart. And that's how government works when it comes to stuff with, with UFOs. Um, it, it, it's like COVID. You know, COVID was nothing more to see who who's compliance. The military, the stuff with the military. Why, you know, all these, they're getting rid of all these people in the military because they're not compliant. Okay. And my view is when the government does stuff like this, they want to, especially with the military, they want to know who's going to raise a weapon or who's not going to raise a weapon at an American citizen. Sure. And that's what, that's what it all comes to with the, um, with the COVID, with the military. But they can use stuff like that to their advantage to get what they want because the people are hungry, you know, for that knowledge, regardless. And you know, as well as I do, there's probably some facility somewhere in the United States that has Bigfoot and Dogmen in a captivity. Kind of like, remember that movie, um, The Iceman Cometh, where yep. they found that yep. Neanderthal man, they thawed him out, they put him in this dome environment that, you know, they they let him, they put deers and stuff in there and let him hunt yep. and all that stuff. Yep. And he had no idea anything was outside that world. Right. You know, um, yeah, I, I, I would definitely, I would definitely have to think that, uh, you know, with our technology and, and as, uh, as far as you know, our our, our military, our our three letter agencies, uh, they're obviously at, at least if if nothing else, they're known to exist. Uh, oh yeah, and and yeah. I certainly would think that we've had we've had our way with a couple of uh, either corpses or, or live individuals at some point to uh, to garner enough information from that they are de- they're making the determination that we're best not to know about them. Yeah, because you know monsters. Monsters are different from UFOs. Okay, you know monsters is close quarter stuff. Yeah. UFOs aren't. You know, so that's that's their whole thinking. You know, um, it, it's like to go back. What I was talking about when we did this show for A and E. You know, A and E when they first asked us how do we want this show to go about, I said this is how I want it. I said you know I'm a big guy. I want a big guy like me watching this show. And his wife tells him to take out trash when the show's over. So he grabs the trash, turns the back light on, opens the back door, looks left, looks right, runs out, throws the trash in the can and runs back in because the show affected him that much. I said, people want to be scared. They don't want to be entertained. Right. Okay. Right. So that's what you want. And that's what they got. And from there on, it's like people can't handle it. And think about it now compared to three years ago. I can understand their point on what they were saying on people can't handle it. Because if we can't handle situations like COVID, um, you know, the stuff that's going on in our own world or even in our own country, right. how are we going to handle the existence of monsters exactly it's just another fear and another worry for the people jody we're we're at a we're at an hour and a half here and it's been a great conversation with you before i let you go there's there's one thing i'd like to have you touch on 
and it's it, it's just an aspect about a certain area in the U.S. here uh, that if anybody has any um, any kind of desire to look into the dogman topic, this land between the lakes is going to mm-hmm. come up, and is is quite a storied area. Um, if you would, if you would just go into the the reports of of that entire area, uh, I remember seeing you. It was either in a video or at a presentation at one point, uh, speaking about this. Uh, basically, the entire town. Um, you know, you, you're people are encouraged not to to yeah, uh, Grand Rivers. Yeah, not Grand to stay Rivers in the is area the and, yeah. Grand so Rivers you, is the town that you kind of have to go through to get to land between the lakes. Um, when you go, I think it's through the North Gate, I think it is. Now, when we were there, they were like, you know, don't stay at the local hotels. Don't tell anybody you're from out of town. People come up missing. You know, these people in that town really believe that there is a clan of werewolves that go back to the 1700s. So actual transforming werewolves. Yeah, transforming werewolves that feeds that land between the lake. Okay, and then people in the community, they really believe that. Um, There again, I don't buy the transformation part of it. Um, I don't know if this is what the locals try to tell people, you know, um, to ask questions about land between the lakes, because you're gonna find out Everybody's real hush hush down there about land between the lakes. No one talks about it. Either they're not allowed to, or they're, they're afraid to. Um, and some of these places that talk about it down there, you just don't know if they're just feeding you a line, you know, because that's that's their secret. That's their community, and they really don't want a whole lot of people coming down there, running around, and giving their community a bad name. So this whole thing about these werewolves clan. Now I know there's some history about that at land between the lakes that is true. And other researchers have found that out. So we just don't know if what's actually taking place as far as the, the, the creatures at land between lakes are these possible transformations or, you know, there's actual flesh and blood type, you know, entity, that that's in that park. Has your group done any investigation into uh, missing persons in that area? Is there an exorbitant oh, yeah. amount of oh, missing yeah. people? We, we, we did a documentary on Land Between the Lakes, and we actually we had a eyewitness. The guy worked for the state, uh, backed up on everything he said, um, you know, who he worked for, he showed LES forms, which are like paid receipts from, you know, the government, um, citations, awards that he received, retirement ID, pictures, everything to verify who he was and who he worked for. Now, he was at LBL in 1979 on a fishing trip by himself, loves to go fish. So he got there about four o'clock in the morning, fished to right around seven, seven thirty. Um, there was a low fog on the river. Uh, the fog was a little bit higher or on the lake, a little bit higher on the on the shoreline. And he takes his boat and he's going along the shoreline uh, to head back. 
and he comes across this campsite, okay? And then he sees this large animal on all fours next to the campsite. So he thinks, well, it's, a, it's, it's probably a horse because people go horseback riding down there. And someone brought their horse because he saw the pickup truck and he saw, you know, uh, the lawn chairs and a little table and all that stuff out there. And then as he's getting closer, this thing stands up and it's on the other side of the tent. And he's able to get a really good look at this thing. And he describes a high pointed ears, uh, a face that kind of looks like a hyena a little bit, had kind of like a, a mange on it. Um, very canine looking in the body, human hands. He said these two people are coming out of the tent and he's yelling at them saying, look behind you, look behind you. And he said it's early morning. They're probably still half asleep trying to figure out what the hell he's trying to say. And he says, these, this thing jumped on the two people. He said, I sat in my boat and watched this thing rip these two people apart. Oh my word. And he said, there's nothing I can do about it. He goes, I urinated on myself. He said, I passed out it just from fear. And he woke up about an hour or so later up against a, a, a tree that came down on the water. Uh, his boat was still running. And he goes, you know, I never told anybody that story because we knew there was something that lay between lakes and we were told never talk about it yeah. because you will lose your job. And he goes, there's two families missing two people right now. And he goes, you know, I feel bad because I never said anything. He goes, I did kind of ask people around, hey, I, you know, I heard there was a bear attack up here. What happened? And people's like, oh, we don't know nothing about it. We didn't hear nothing about, you know, bear attack. And then finally a supervisor came up to him and says, listen, you're asking a lot of questions about some strange stuff. What's going on? He goes, oh, no, I'm just telling you what I'm hearing from the people in the town, you know. And he goes, well, some things better be, you need to be left alone. And so he, that was them. That was a warning to shut up. Passive aggressive threat. <laughs> yeah. So he never said anything. So he's dying of cancer. So um, he, him and his daughter heard me on the podcast, contacted us through this website. We went and talked to him, interviewed him. He died two weeks after the, uh, the interview. And he's describing everything that he saw. You know, this thing killing these two people. And he goes, you know, I had to tell somebody because I didn't want to go to heaven not telling somebody because I felt that, you know, God was going to punish me for what I did. You know, because two families are missing their siblings. So, yeah, some crazy stuff, you know, that, you know, LBL is a really, really... uh, wicked place a lot of a lot of people come up missing he found a hunter um that was dead half eaten on down there that story um i don't know about it um if that actually happened um my research says he probably had a heart attack um and died in the field there and you know coyotes and stuff yeah yeah uh, that's a possibility because LBL did put out a press release and then they pulled it real quick. Really? So, yeah, yeah. So, and then of course you had the family uh, that was massacred there in 1982 um, by a dog man or a werewolf. Um, I talked to several 
police officers who swear they were there that night when it happened. They saw the bodies. They saw what happened. Um, it's just a lot of crazy, crazy stuff. Terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying stuff. Jody, uh, I want to thank you. This has been a great hour and 40 minute yeah. talk with you. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and work me yeah. into your schedule. Definitely enjoyed it. If you would, please, for, for my listeners, let them know uh, you are the, the founder of the North American Dogman Project. Oh. Yeah. And uh, it, let everybody know where they can find your stuff, where they can find your website, and uh, what you got going on here coming up. Yeah, um, website's www.northamericandogmanproject.com. Um, you can, you know, locate me through um, Facebook. We have several chapter pages. So if you just type in North American Dogman Project on Facebook, uh, you'll be able to reach one of our regionals. Um, we have a region map on there, kind of tells you where everybody's at. Um, you can find me through Facebook there. You can find me on Instagram. Um, yeah, if you have any questions, you know, give us a call. If you had any sightings, contact the site. You can, um, your identity will be covered. You can just do a report. Tell us what, you know, what you saw. That would be great because we're documenting everything. We have a really beautiful map on our website that we're documenting all of our sightings across the country. Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to be at the LBL conference on August 13th in Paris, Tennessee, which is going to be a really good conference. Um, yeah, if you have any questions, please contact me. Interesting stuff. Um, yeah. If I can ask, uh, would you mind if I pulled a couple of pictures or could you provide me a couple of pictures uh, no, for my social media posts? Um, yeah, I just to give some people some uh, context. Yeah, I'll send you some pictures of the, the cast um, and the footprint that I, the one I was talking about. Okay. I'll send you those, but any other picture you want, go ahead and pull off the website. That's, that's great. Outstanding. Yep. Jody Cook, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Been a great guest. Thanks. Have a good night. You too. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable.